Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Father, I just thank you today for all that's taken place already in our services today. And Father, I just thank you too for this word that you've given me, and I pray that as I share this word that you'll speak through me, and it'll point people to you. It'll not be about me in the slightest, and it'll be all about you, and that people will encounter you, and will hear you speaking to them as I share this message. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible with you, I want you to turn with me to John chapter, where have we been for the last few months? John chapter... Everybody's been sleeping though. What verse chapter have we been in for the last few months? 13. Today we're in 14. So turn with me to chapter 14. I want to read the first 11 verses there from John 14. It kind of worries me that nobody really could answer John 13. We've been there for ages. John 14. It says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is a father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the father and the father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Amen. I mean, there's so much great stuff in those 11 verses and so many messages we could speak uh, on these messages. But I want to continue our series today in the upper room with Jesus. And the title of my message is taken right from the very first verse of John 14, and it's simply this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And I had originally planned to start this message by asking a question until I realized that it was a really silly question. And the answer, the reason it's silly is because the answer to my question is always yes. But then I realized that just because it's a silly question and everyone will always respond with the same answer, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't ask the question. So let me ask do you ever find yourselves troubled in heart? Do you ever find yourselves troubled in heart? And some of you might be inclined to say more than simply, yes. An answer by saying, always, always. And I can understand that. It's virtually impossible in today's world not to be troubled in our heart. It troubles me that human beings can be so incredibly selfish and insensitive to the problems that other people are facing. It troubles me that marriages are disintegrating with the alarming consistency that they do. It troubles me to think that Charlotte and, and grand, any grandchildren, and no pressure coming, they are, are, are 
grow up in a world that seems to be coming apart at the seams, coming apart morally, politically, religiously, and economically. And it deeply troubles me that there are so many of you in this room watching online that also have troubled hearts. Jesus was troubled in his heart. He was troubled because his disciples were troubled in theirs. And the reasons why they were troubled in heart are many, but let me just mention those that appear in John 13 that we've spent a few weeks already looking at. They were deeply troubled when Jesus said that one of their own number would betray him. And they undoubtedly looked at each other around the room in that moment and asked themselves, could it be me? Is it him? Surely it isn't James or Andrew or Matthew or Peter. Who could it be? They were deeply troubled each time Jesus alluded to the fact that he was about to depart from them. They were troubled in heart when Jesus said in John 13 verse 33 that they were not able to come with him to the place that he was going. They were troubled when he told Peter that even with his loud boasts of loyalty that he would betray him three times. And Jesus obviously knew how troubled they were in this moment because later in John 14, in this, in a few verses later, he repeats himself almost verbatim in, in verse 27. And he says there, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And there was countless other reasons why the disciples were troubled in heart. Their anxiety and agitation could be traced to the increase in opposition that they were facing at that time. They were troubled because Jesus has said that with him, the kingdom of God had arrived, but it just hadn't arrived in the way that they were expecting it to come. Why? Because Rome was still in charge. Israel was still occupied. And it was unsettling to them that that Jesus spoke so often of the coming persecution that they would endure. And Jesus would later tell them in John 15 that the world is going to hate them and that many of them will be killed. And the emotional turmoil and distress that you feel each day, it might not be the same as that experienced by the disciples who sat with Jesus in that upper room. But let me tell you, the cure for you is exactly the same as the cure for the disciples. Exactly the same. Let me tell you, there is a cure. There is a healing remedy for those who are troubled in hearts. It just might not be what you expect. See, Jesus doesn't say to them in this moment, let, your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled because I will always make it possible. Always make it possible for you to escape and elude the difficult days that lie ahead. Don't be troubled because you can simply muster up enough faith within yourself and you'll be elevated above the ordinary struggles that others face. Or that you'll be spared physical affliction. You'll be spared financial stress. You'll be spared the disdain from your colleagues. You'll experience triumph in every single area of life. So don't let your hearts be troubled. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus never made these promises. So what then, the question is, is the remedy or the cure for the troubled heart that we all experienced? Let me tell you, regardless of the cause or the circumstances that lead to that troubled heart, irrespective of whether we're talking about men and women who lived in the first century or men and women like us today who live in the 21st century. How do we overcome a troubled heart, a downcast soul, a wounded spirit? And the answer Jesus gives is straight, and it's straight to the point, just like Jesus does. Jesus' answer? Me. Not me, Stephen. Jesus. The big man. Jesus. The cure for a troubled heart is Jesus. And if that sounds overly simplistic and a kind of trite answer, Stephen, that's the answer that you always get in Sunday school. 
Every question, the answer is Jesus. But that's because it's true. I want encourage you, bear with me and let me unpack it a little bit to see what Jesus is actually saying in this moment. Because Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. It's right there in John 14, verse 1. The remedy or cure for what troubles the human heart is belief or trust in Jesus. This belief or trust that Jesus is commanding us to have in this moment, it's not saving faith. He's speaking to people in this moment who has already been saved. Jesus declares back in chapter 13 at verse 10 that we read and we've looked at already that they were already clean, that they were already forgiven of their sins. So this is not a gospel appeal that Jesus is making to his disciples. Instead, Jesus, sorry, Jesus isn't urging them to trust trust him for salvation and somehow get reconciliation back to the Father. That's not what he's saying in this moment. He is calling the disciples and calling us to trust him in the same way that the disciples trust God the Father. And in case you hadn't thought about this, that is an incredibly high and lofty claim that Jesus is making in the moment. See, this is a clear indication that Jesus knows precisely who he is. He is God in human flesh. His exhortation that they trust him clearly points to his deity. He unashamedly claims for himself a place of equal authority and divinity with God the Father. But what specifically is he asking that they believe about him? What is he asking that they trust? I think he's urging them to believe and trust and invest their confident hope in who he is as a person. It's what he's about to do on their behalf and on our behalf on the cross that's still to come. That they believe and trust in the, in the truth of all that he's been teaching them during their time together these past three years and what he's about to teach them about himself and the future that lies ahead. In fact, I see when I look through John chapter 14, five reasons that Jesus gives us to believe and trust in him. And let me tell you, every single one of these five points could be a message in themselves, easily be a message in themselves. And I'm pretty certain we'll come back to some of these points and expand them even further. But let me give you five reasons that I believe could help us today if we are troubled in heart. The first thing I see here is that Jesus, he is a man of perfect integrity. He is a man of perfect integrity. He does not lie. He pulls no punches. He tells it like it is. He doesn't soft sell things just to gain a following. He doesn't sugarcoat what's about to happen. But he is always forthright and he's always honest. He commands them to trust him just as they trust the Father because he is not one who lies to his followers. I am faithful to my word, says Jesus. So trust me when I tell you this. And in verse John 14, verse 23, he says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. See, the disciples were in great distress over the fact that Jesus repeatedly told them that he would believe in that his death was imminent, that his death was coming. And his point here is simply that they would not be troubled by his departure. Why? Because he is, where he is going, around the going, he will prepare a place for each of them in his father's house, and that he will come again and then take them to himself. They will not be abandoned forever. They will soon be with him wherever he is. And the reference to Jesus' coming in John's gospel sometimes points 
to, to the, his return to his disciples after his resurrections. Sometimes has come in as a, to them, sorry, sometimes to has come in to them means by way of the Holy Spirit, whom he will then send to them later on. Sometimes to his second coming at the end of history. And I believe here in this moment, Jesus is talking about his second coming. His point is this, you can trust me on this. You can trust me on this. If, that, if, if it were not the case that, that there's a place for each of you in my Father's house, I would never have told you that I'm going there to prepare everything for you. Jesus is saying, have I ever lied to you before? Of course not. And I'm not lying now. His point is that there is more than enough space for everyone who trusts Jesus. And this was especially relevant to those who were sharing this final meal with Jesus. They didn't fully understand why Jesus had to leave and why they couldn't go with him in that moment, why they should be left to suffer such hatred and persecution. But Jesus puts their troubled hearts at rest by saying, don't panic, don't lose control, don't let fear and anxiety overtake your hearts. My Father's house is big enough for everyone who trusts me and follows me. And God will never ever run out of space for his people. Each of you will have a room there. No one who follows him will be excluded. There is ample room for all. So Jesus is a man full of perfect integrity. He does not lie. And then secondly, the second thing that I see here is that Jesus promises that he will return for us so that we will be with him forever. See, Jesus will not go and prepare a place and then sit down and just sit there waiting for us to figure out the way to get there on our own. He will personally return and comfort us so that we can be with him there. And Paul made this same point when he's writing in 1 Thessalonians at chapter 4, verse 16. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who, who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Amazing. Amazing. See, it's in, the, it's in the going itself that Jesus prepares the way for his disciples. His death and resurrection opened the way for the followers of Jesus to go to heaven, to go to the Father. Jesus can say that the place is not yet prepared. Why? Because he has not yet atoned for their sin. He has not yet overcome and defeated Satan. He has not yet satisfied and suffered the wrath of God in your place and my place. He has not yet ascended into heaven to take his seat at the right hand of God. So he's going to prepare the place. He's not quite prepared it just yet at this moment in this story. And so says Jesus, yes, I'm leaving. No, you can't come with me right now though, but later tonight you'll all be overcome with fear. Peter will deny me three times and the rest of you will scatter into the darkness. But don't let fear, shame, or sadness overtake your souls. Let not your hearts be troubled. When I go, I will prepare a place for each of you. Not only you who are here with me in the upper room, for, but for each and everyone who believes in me for eternal life and forgiveness of sins. See, the focus of heaven is not on a place. It's on a person. It's on a person. The essence of heaven is the presence of Jesus it's not, it's not all about the streets of gold or the pearly gates. It's all about Jesus. See, these verses in John's gospel is not the promise of a return to heaven, but it's a promise of a reunion with Jesus. Trust me, I am coming for you. Trust me that no matter what you suffer in this life, 
you will find eternal satisfaction in the next. That's what Jesus is telling them. And then the third thing I see here in this, in John chapter 14, why we can not let our hearts be troubled, thirdly is because Jesus is the way. Verse 4, it says, you know the, the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? I love Thomas, because if Thomas never asked that question, we would never get this amazing answer. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, this conversation is provoked by the the confusion of Thomas, because Thomas had interpreted interpreted the words place and way really literally. That's how he interpreted it. He says to Jesus, how can we possibly know the way you are going if we don't even know the destination? How can we know the way to get there if we don't know what there is? So Jesus immediately clarifies it for him in that moment. The where is the Father's presence? That's where I'm taking you. The only way, though, for you to get there is through me, Jesus says. Jesus is the way to God precisely because he alone embodies to, and tells the truth about who God is and what is needed to, to be reconciled back to him. He alone embodies the true and con- consummate revelation of the Father. When Jesus says that the re- reconciliation to the Father comes only through me, we need to really define what, what he means in light of the broader context of John's gospel. We are told over and over again in John's gospel that we, that we must believe in Jesus, that we must trust him alone, that, that we must look to his work on the cross as our only hope. And let me give you a few examples of that. So in John chapter 3, at verse 36, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. John 6, verse 35, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Probably a moment to take a drink. And then John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, and he's talking to Martha here, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then comes the question, do you believe this? Do you believe this. This is what it means to come to the Father through the Son. It means you believe Jesus as who He said He is, and that what He will do on the cross for sinners is the only hope that you have for forgiveness of sins. But the question might come, might there be other pathways to the Father? Why is there only one? Well, let me tell you, we don't deserve any pathways to the Father, far less one. The fact that God has provided a way through His Son is a miracle of divine mercy. They might say, but won't other religions do the same thing? Can't we climb the same mountain by a different road? Can't we arrive at the same destination but, but by different means of transportation? Maybe some can go by car, some can go on foot, some by planes, others could go on the bus. Well, the plain and simple, direct to the point answer to those questions is no. No. There's only one way, the way that God himself ordained. Jesus does not point us to the way or describe for us to how to get there. He does not show the way. He simply is the way. That He is the truth means that those who search for truth apart from Jesus, well, they're destined for failure will only find what is false. Jesus is not one of multiple, equal, valid, and effective ways to the Father. He does not just have some truth. He is truth. He does not direct them where they might find eternal life. Why? Because He is life 
himself. Why then, when our hearts are troubled, should we believe Jesus? The answer is simple. Because he and he alone is the way to the Father. He and he alone is the embodiment of ultimate and unassailable truth. He and he alone is life itself. To know and trust him is to to live. Everything else is death. And sorry if that is blunt, but that is the truth. That is the truth. The only way through Jesus. The only way. And then fourthly, the fourth thing I see is that the Father is already with them. And we look here at John 14, verses 7 through to 11. It says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that, that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And you can see here in this exchange between Jesus and Philip that Philip is starting to get really impatient with Jesus. Jesus said that they'd already seen the Father and they might know him. But Philip is confused. When did I ever see the Father? How can you say, Jesus, that I know him? I want to know him. In fact, I want it now. That's what Philip's saying. It's as if Philip's saying to Jesus, I don't want to wait until you leave and prepare a place for us with you and the Father forever. I, I want it now. Why? Because my heart hurts now, Jesus. I want re- relief from this distress and confusion in my soul, Jesus, right now. Show me the Father right now. If you do that, I'll stop complaining. That'll be enough for me. To which Jesus then makes this simple but astounding reply in verse 19. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, and the fourth reason Jesus gives is that the Father who has a place for each of them in his eternal presence is already there with them in, in Jesus. He said, he's right here, Jesus says, in me. They really do know the Father. They just don't recognize it as yet. They haven't fully grasped that. And knowing Jesus, they have come to know the Father. And Jesus, God has made himself known definitively, gloriously, and visibly. Seven times in verses 7 through to 11, Jesus says virtually the same thing over and over again. I and my Father are so much one in nature and character and purpose that my presence is the Father's presence. And if you've ever wondered what God the Father thinks about death, look at Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. If you've ever wondered what God the Father thinks about your sin, look at Jesus dying in your place so that your sins might be forgiven. If you've ever wondered how God the Father feels about social outcasts who are shunned by everyone in society, look at Jesus actually reaching out and actually touching lepers and making them clean. Look at Jesus sitting down at a meal with prostitutes, sending them on their way forgiven, full of joy, and for the first time in their lives, feeling clean. If you've ever, ever wondered how God the Father thinks about religious hypocrisy, listen to Jesus denounce the Pharisees in righteous anger. If you've ever wondered what God the Father thinks about disease and sickness, watch as Jesus heals all who are brought to him. If you've ever questioned how low God the Father might go in serving you, look at Jesus on his knees washing the filthy feet of his disciples. 
If you've if you wanted to know how God the Father feels about exploiting religion for personal monetary gain, we'll just watch Jesus as he explodes in the temple, turning over the tables and rebuking those who turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. If you wonder what God the Father is like in the depths of his heart, look closely at the mercy of Jesus. Look at his kindness, authority, power, compassion, joy, and peace. Look, listen, and watch, and meditate on all that Jesus is saying and all that he does. Whatever your name, whatever you need, listen once more to Jesus when he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. But I know we're people, we're humans, and we're, we're listening to that and responding by saying, ha, Stephen, that doesn't help my heart right now. My heart is troubled right now. I need Jesus here right now. But he's gone. He's already went with his Father in heaven. And this brings me to my last reason why our hearts should not be troubled and the band can come. So the last reason why our hearts should not be troubled. And to see this reason, though, we need to jump down to verses 16 through 18 that I did not read earlier. And when Jesus says what he does here in these verses in 16 through 18, he's not just talking to the disciples in the upper room. He's talking to you and he's talking to me as well. So let me read John 14 verses 16 through 18. Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. I love that line. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And what's he talking about here? Of course, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Although Jesus will leave physically and ascend into heaven, he will come to all his followers in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus dwells within you. Why? Because his Spirit is in you. You see, Jesus will come again personally and physically to take us to himself. But in the meantime, we must never ever think that he's abandoned us somehow or that he's just left us all on our own. We are not orphans in this world. When we, we submit our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. The same power that raised, raised Jesus from the dead resides within you. He is fully and perfectly, lovingly and powerful here in the person of the Holy Spirit. And this is, yet again, why we must believe and trust Him. This is why, yet again, we should not be troubled in our hearts. It doesn't matter what crisis you're facing. It doesn't matter the pain you feel. It doesn't matter how lonely life is. Let me tell you, Jesus, who perfectly embodies and expresses all that is true of the Father, is here with you, and He's in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. How incredible is that? How incredible is that? So we would be crying out for Jesus in our pain and our weakness right now, but He's already here. He's already in you, in the, per- in the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. You are not orphans. I will come to you, Jesus promises. I was going to ask people today, like, is your heart troubled? And I realized it's a daft question because all of our hearts are troubled. Like, if, unless we're immune to what's happening in our world, then all our hearts are troubled. We despair at what we see happening in our world, what we see happening in our government, what we see happening in the lives of our friends and our families. But Jesus told us, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I would love to pray for all of us today because all of us have troubled hearts. All of us. 
So I don't, I don't want you to put your hand up and respond because I'm praying for everybody. I'm praying for everybody today. But before I get to that, though, I just want to ask if you have never ever given your life to Jesus, if you're watching online and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, let me tell you, just explored earlier that Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to heaven. It's through Him. And it's really easy. It's just so easy. You just need to pray a simple prayer saying to him, I'm sorry for the mess I've made in my life. Ask for his forgiveness. Ask him to come into your life. When you do that, he promises it will make you a brand new creation. That he'll deposit the Holy Spirit deep within you so that you'll not remain as an orphan. He will come to you as he promises. So if you're in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, or you're watching online, there'll be a QR code coming up on the screen if you're watching online and you want to respond to this message. But if you're in this room, can I just encourage you to pop your hand up if you do not know Jesus? I would love to pray for you to meet him today. Is there anybody? Stephen, pray for me. Father, I just thank you today for your word. Father, every single person in this room watching online, all of us are troubled in heart. All of us. Father, we look at the state of the world. We look at the things that is happening in society. Father, we look at the, the, the sickness and the illness of our own family members, Father, and we, uh, and we worry about the future like Michael was talking about earlier when you spoke to us through him. All of us do that. All of us. All of our hearts are troubled. But Father, I thank you. Jesus came and Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. And so Father, we, all of us today, we believe in you and we trust you Father I thank you today that when our hearts are troubled we can look to you and you can help us, you can encourage us and you can equip us Father I just thank you that in Jesus we see a man who's full of perfect integrity who always tells the truth who always tells us the the right answer and the way that we should go And so Father I thank you today for Jesus and for the life that he lived for the way that he died on that cross for each and every single one of us so we could be reconciled back to you so that the promise of the next life is even greater than this life. Father, I thank you that Jesus promises that he would return for us so that we will be with him forever. Father, we look forward to that glorious day where we'll be reunited with Jesus. Father, I thank you and praise you for that. Father, I thank you that Jesus is the way, the way to the Father. And Father, I just thank you for the the amazing truth that's contained within that statement. I thank you that you have made it possible for us to come back to you, to be guaranteed eternal life with you. And so, Father, I thank you that Jesus accomplished all that he set out to do on that cross. So when our hearts are troubled, we can look to Jesus and what he endured and suffered for us so that we can be reconciled back to you. Father, I thank you that in Jesus we can see you. We can see you. Why? because you're already there with the disciples and you're working through Jesus and when we look to Jesus we can see your heart also and so Father I thank you that when we wonder and and think about the 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 things that's happening in our world all the, the horrible injustices we can look to Jesus and see what you think about these things and you can encourage us and you can equip us again Father I thank you today for the gift of the Holy Spirit I thank you that you are here right now that you do not leave us as orphans but you are here with us, helping us each and every single day. And when we face troubles, we face difficulties, we face sickness, we face financial stress, I thank you that you are here with us, that you are equipping us, that you are helping us, you are working in and through us, giving giving us all that we need to get through the challenges of life. 
And so Jesus, I pray that when we are tempted to fix our eyes on the problems, fix our eyes on the world, I just pray that you'll help us to return our gaze back to you. And that we'll believe in you once again. And our hearts will not be troubled. That we will indeed believe that the best is yet to come. It might not be in this life, but we believe when we get with you in heaven, that will just be so amazing. And so we can confidently declare that the best is yet to come because of your promises, because of your truth, because of the things you've spoken into our lives. So Father, I pray for us all today that we will leave this place, we'll switch off our computers and our TVs, knowing that when trouble comes knocking on the door of our heart, that we can look to you again and we can confidently say, my heart is not troubled because I believe and trust in Jesus. And I believe his promises for me. So Father, I pray that all of us will have that assurance today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.